Welcome to another episode of the Data Topics podcast. Today we'll be talking about a uh, maybe more new concept, maybe a bit less well known. It's a uh, collaborative data ecosystems. And with me I have Ruben. Hi Ruben. Hi Kevin. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for for joining. Can you maybe quickly introduce yourself? Introduce myself. Um, so my name is Ruben Lasui. Uh, I am uh, an independent consultant in the topic of data governance, data management, data strategy, and I think as of now, <laughs> collaborative data <laughs> ecosystems. Um, I've been consulting uh, both private companies uh, of all sizes in the past uh, and uh, done some public work as well. Um, and I'm also loosely affiliated with uh, an organization called My Data, uh, where I'm kind of leading together with uh, Poltesk and the the Brussels Hub, um, and that's a it's an NGO based in Finland um, that uh, sort of wants to progress the uh, the digital rights of, of people. Uh, so it's really focused on human uh, human data or, or personal data. Um, and I'm also, but that's already a while ago uh, that I that I did the certification. But I'm a, a certified DPO, so that was a bit of how I ended up in uh, data governance because I studied business engineering in uh, Leuven. So it's it's good to be back in <laughs> in my student's town. Um, business engineering with uh, a specialty in IT, um, and my thesis at the time uh, when nobody actually heard about it yet was on the gdpr and specifically the impact of the gdpr on information management and that's how i kind of did a, a case study with the uh and i started working at the company the which was a small boutique consulting company at the time around data governance uh which guided me with my thesis and that's how the ball got rolling um so yeah Awesome, awesome, yeah. um, and indeed, there's. I mean, even in this story, GDPR has a has a significant imprint. So I think yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come to it mm -hmm. uh, in the conversation. But um, yeah, first things first. I think e collaborative data ecosystems. Um, yeah, what is it according to you? Maybe a million dollar question. It's <laughs> uh, the heaviest question uh, immediately. Um, so there, I think there's there's maybe even three elements to kind of uh, uh, depict uh, there. If we just like uh, look at the words themselves, collaborative, um, you could see it as the opposite of competitive. So I think we're we're moving from a more competitive uh, nature of business to more collaborative, and maybe in a in a bit we can explain why uh, why that is, and that actually has to do with the second word, data, uh, which uh, is more and more being seen as the asset of this new economy. The, the specifics, uh, the characteristics of data as an asset are different from uh, physical goods. Often you hear data is the new oil. Mm -hmm. I think it's time to finally debunk <laughs> the fact that that is the case. Data has very specific characteristics that are different from oil. Um, the most notable ones being the fact that it's non-rivalrous. Uh, meaning that uh, I can have data, you can have data, and that doesn't mean that we uh, are rivals. We can we can actually do um, things on the same data. So it's not because you have it that I cannot have it. Yeah. It is. I can copy it, uh, and there can be database uh, duplications. And it's also non-depletable, so it's not 
when you use it you don't deplete it like oil oil yeah. you use it you can make energy from it etc and but then it's depleted and and uh we all know that it's finite in that sense um so that's data of course data because of the technological revolutions that that we've seen uh is abundant and getting more abundant by the day so that's also why uh why now uh data is, is all around us and i think uh, it's become clear over the years uh, especially with some scandals uh cambridge analytica and, and and other high high profile news stories that data is uh yeah is actually an important topic um and then ecosystems um is maybe new as well uh in the sense that in an industrial society we've seen traditional uh supply chains where you have an input uh and then you process it you add some things you uh you refine some things and then you you have an output and that output you can sell um in a in a world of platforms uh where um entities or parties be it private parties or public parties individuals are kind of connected um with with each other uh that same idea of a linear supply chain doesn't hold anymore so it's more uh, a matter of looking at what is my value or what is uh, what is my proposition in an ecosystem yeah. and how can we actually make make things that uh, that are collaboratively or in, in a sort of ecosystem uh, way uh, add add value for for further players in the in the ecosystem um, and i think that's that's maybe a, a bit of an extended uh, definition of collaborative data ecosystems but the the combination of those wor words uh i think has a uh, uh brings enough for us to have a discussion about it yeah yeah, yeah. so um indeed so you have the i think collaborative is indeed an already a very important word in it um the so should we consider collaborative then also in terms of mutualization um where well uh, different people bring a data a data or a data product together uh that can well generate more value being brought together than it than it could individually yeah it's um what what differentiates collaboration from competition or more um one-sided uh commands and, and and control systems i guess indeed is that you uh you come to the table as as equals and you uh you kind of uh try to see what 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 kind of win-wins can be generated uh in in a fair uh an equitable way um which is maybe a bit different from the extractive uh, modes of, of of data processing that we see with bigger platforms where um the, the a lot of value is generated at the expense at the expense of the the individual um but if you look at it more from from com company to company um you could indeed ask the question like um if we have a contractual agreement amongst each other to do work uh for each other uh or if one if one party works for the other party there is there is a sort of control a control differentiation or or a control sort of hierarchy yeah. there's there's a controller and there's a processor and that's how the gdpr also yeah, has indeed. described it like the controller in the gdpr sets the um I, i've said it's a while so i, I kind of forgot the specifics but uh the the controller sets the purposes and the means or decides about the purpose and the means of the data processing 
uh, and the processor uh, has to abide by yeah. by those and do specific things on the command or the instructions that's the better word the instructions of of the process of the controller i think if you look at collaboration it sounds it sounds a bit uh, opposite to what uh, collaboration should be if if there's one party that that kind of controls exactly. or dominates so the other so as equals yeah that, that's what you mean so i think that's the the nuance or the differentiation i would uh, bring to collaboration versus um controllership and indeed mutualization of of costs of risks of complexity uh is a result of bringing data together or bringing skills value uh resources together in a pool of uh, or in a, in a sort of ecosystem let's say um whereas uh, up until now uh, often um getting data from a third party uh or sharing your own data with a third party for a certain purpose was kind of risky uh we see that with the advancement of of privacy enhancing technologies and encryption in use or encryption on data that is in, is in use for example kind of the risks um that side of 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 the equation uh the complexity as well um once you once you have uh more parties that can each kind of uh collaboratively work on 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 certain technological parts of the data or 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 the data pipeline the complexity indeed can be kind of diminished or at least mutualized as well same for the expenses like um if you have to do everything by yourself it can be a very costly endeavor but if you can mutualize or share um the expenses with with other parties and collectively uh, generate value and, and capture that value again there's mutual mutualization in that so it's it uh, yeah so then we're talking more about the, the value proposition indeed of the, the those collaborative data ecosystems right. um but then should will the focus then always be uh, on the the the, the non-competitive sides so more on the the defensive risk uh management side of things because you're mm-hmm. um uh, if, if i imagine two organizations working together uh typically while you have your competitive edge you, you will try to avoid collaborating or sharing or, or mutualizing basically by bringing uh, your ip towards another organization without without remuneration so to speak mm-hmm. um so is it then is it then more something you do defensively uh to well on on yeah uh activities that are not bringing you that competitive edge uh, to be very concrete if you if you talk about um let's say financial services that it's more about fraud uh detection and and things that are painful but not your core offering as you as you were saying it, I suddenly remembered there's this uh i think this article on on the Harvard business review by tom red no one one uh high profile like data management guru that that talks about what is your data strategy as a company is it uh, offensive or defensive so it has maybe to do with that i i tend to avoid that that sort of duality and and actually i, I see them more as as two sides of the same coin like uh being defensive or at least uh, trying to de-risk and 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 comply with certain regulations in that sense um will naturally or uh, hopefully bring a certain trust and trust as such can be seen as a dis- differentiator or value a value driver um so there's that aspect um but indeed maybe 
to the question of why why do we see the advancement of of, of these data data ecosystems now or or what can drive maturity and actually kickstart uh, kickstart them um there i think indeed like compliance or or um risk uh, risk mitigation as it is kind of top down driven by governments will be a first use case to overcome that sort of first mover advantage that 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 might uh, withhold uh, certain companies from engaging because it's uh, it's really we're talking about a paradigm shift here and that doesn't happen overnight so i think companies are still very uh, defensive in 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 opening up their uh, their data as such on the other hand realizing that they lose competitive uh, advantage and and often not even realizing why that is or or um how opening up their data and uh gaining competitive edge or not like mutually exclusive um so yeah there's 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 definitely like a, a bit of a differentiation between uh, defensive strategies um specifically in finance indeed like uh, trying to avoid uh money laundering or or fraud schemes in insurance as well um and then on the other hand looking at more of the offense uh side or or the innovation side because offensive is is uh, it sounds negative but i think hyper yeah hyper personalization and and trying to kind of augment the experience uh for uh, for the user or the uh, the individuals involved in platforms and ecosystems is definitely where i see it evolve in the long term uh, or where most of the value will come from in the long term mm-hmm. yeah because in the the last example you gave more the personalization then we're more on a b2c kind of perspective where it's more about um allowing people to well share personal data with processors uh, in this case of of that data uh, in a more well, privacy by design way uh just a different perspective at uh, the insurance one we, we discussed earlier or, or the uh, the fraud one uh, specifically are more b2b uh trying uh, between banks or between insurance companies yeah. to mutualize yeah. information you have that is hurting you somehow and that you want to that you want to jointly invest in a mm-hmm. fraud management solution where uh, all the different players benefit from yeah. um i think the, the more personalization aspect that's something I, I i don't think they're going to uh easily share choices that 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 clients made on their platform that mm-hmm. can help another another uh, let's say again banking if we stay in banking but um personalize their services for for the for that same customer i guess then you're more on that competitive bleeding edge that's what i meant mm-hmm. on the defensive side uh more than willing to share because it it, it reduces something that's a nuisance for everybody fraud but you're less likely to go to share insights you have into uh um well preferences of a customer with another organization and uh, what, what that, that because then you're sharing well sensitive or, or more competitive least sensitive information right yeah um yeah there is there is indeed the distinction between b2c b2b even though those lines are are to a certain extent also blurring um but in the in the b2b uh side of things it's it's perhaps less complex because um I think there's more like formalized frameworks in which you operate and 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 can set the the conditions for certain data exchange or or, or data collaboration. 
once you involve the individual and based on certain principles or characteristics like interoperability uh which is a very important one you you have to be more careful because it it it, it also well, not more careful but it um it creates the opportunity for an individual to be more uh flexible in where they do business or with whom they do business in any case the 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 types of data we're talking about in a b2c context are different from yeah. b2b as well uh, yes, because it's it's indeed inherently personal or personal data um with all its consequences or all its all its uh, involved risks i think that's indeed also a, a hugely valuable concept on the b2c side is, is uh, the fact that you the your personal data will be in in this case a lot closer to you as a person you own it better you control it better you have better oversight of who's who am who did i grant access to certain uh my birth date my my name my address i mean in information like that but you can more easily also retract that access and give it to somebody else yeah. uh that you can more easily also log I see the logs or, or, or view what has been done on that data that you keep traceability. I think those are things that I saw also coming back a lot um, uh, in, in, in the concept of these these ecosystems. Sure. Maybe we we might have skipped uh, a bit of a step here to explain actually why the, the privacy of design uh, privacy by design in these collaborative data ecosystems when it comes to personal data because it's privacy, how it's different from the situation beforehand where it's a bit of the wild west uh, uh, of, of, of companies just asking data randomly to to uh, a customer or, or an individual and, and each company asking the same the same type of questions uh, 10 times over and as a person you lose track of where you've yeah. submitted your name birth date all your personal information to uh, so there's a lot of decentralized risk there's that there's there's the there's no quality guarantees because you you can never keep uh, all that data up to date no. let alone even remember where where you left it in the first place so there are these services nowadays uh, i forgot the name of, of one recently where that are based or built on the um the rights to rectification or the rights to information to erasure etc of the gdpr where, which um kind of you, you, you for example you give them access to your your gmail uh, account and they go look at all all the um yeah all the emails that are in there and they they try to find which third parties might have your data and which data they might have on you but it it requires an extensive database or existing database on their end uh to kind of facilitate that and basically it's still very it's it's um my former boss always used to say it's like uh, putting lipstick lips, lipstick on a pig right yeah. it's uh you uh it it solves the problem somehow but nobody is going to uh to use these services because of the it's it's super cumbersome you know like even um even if you have a party or, or you see a list of all the parties that might have your data you need to then uh make an erasure request and okay they have access to your email and you even give them in google then um uh, consent or, consent yeah. to to actually write emails on your behalf and they will write a sort of standardized email to the dpo or whatever uh, email address they have in their uh, in their database for it to that to that party and then you get an email oh, it's it's deleted and but you know it's a very tedious uh, manual process um and it can totally be avoided by uh by introducing like more 
not more centralized, but at least more more innovative or more up to date uh, technologies such as personal data stores, uh, where you don't even have that problem anymore because uh, it's it's more about giving write or read access to that pod instead of um, writing data in someone else's database uh, hundreds of thousands of times. Yeah. Um, it's indeed it's less of a patch on an existing mm-hmm. thing. It's really a, a paradigm shift, like yeah. you said, where yeah. it's a completely new way of. Yeah. Uh, thinking about about data sharing, I was wondering because I, I can't look up the, the the topic of collaborative data ecosystems and not at some point kind of uh, uh, find a hit on uh, that's linked to solid, mm-hmm. um, so socially linked data protocol um, with its solid pods. Uh, I think you already mentioned pod as so a PDS, person, yeah, personal, personal data online store. data store. Um, the it, is solid then the trigger or, or how should we, uh, or is it just a trigger uh, in, in, in this in this context? I think it's definitely indeed a trigger or an accelerator, okay. let's say, for for the adoption of, of a more, <laughs> an accelerator for putting control in the hands of uh, the users or the individuals to, to whom the data belongs. And um, of course, it's undeniable that there's some some brand uh, recognition or, or or that the brand solid has a lot of recognition because yeah. of the, the the name Tim Tim Berners Lee that's uh, that's the inventor of the web, but yeah, it's a, it's a standard uh, for uh, personalized data stores or personal uh, personal data stores, uh, as there are others. So that's maybe something so it's not I the just only one. To, okay. that's no, interesting. there's there's multiple uh, standards that have been developed over the past, but. Uh, in the end, uh, the the game of standards setting uh, is is uh, it's important. I think to realize that standards are not neutral as such. But that's I mean that's a discussion in and of itself. But um, yeah, Solid is definitely a, a standard that's that's gaining traction recently and for good reasons. And the idea is basically to uh, to kind of centralize that 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 data that uh, that we generate. Um, in in a in a pot, which is a, a sort of data vault and data plush mm. in 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 Dutch, and to be to be very rigid on on who you can access or who you can give access to uh, for that pot. Um, and often the the example is given uh, that there could be photos in that pot, but the as uh, as it stands now or as 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 we are now, like either your photos are on Facebook or on Google Photos or on uh, on Instagram or whatever. It's very hard to um, to port them from one service to the other, and there's also the network effects that that make for like okay, there are other, there are other services, but nobody is there, so there's nobody going there. So yeah. even though we might have technically or legally the right to uh, to get our data from from certain services yeah, or to, to port them and, yeah. yeah so that's that's a bit of the uh, the thing that the gdpr of course has shown as well uh, that there there are a lot of power uh, power dynamics and 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 gain theoretical elements at play that uh, that make that maybe uh, having a certain regulation or some technology available in and of itself is not uh, it's not it's not a necessary sufficient like condition to um uh to change a paradigm or to 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 give more control but i think um with solid as it's being adopted by by national governments uh such as the flemish one and banks are looking into it uh will we see that like um 
there might uh, there might be something in that uh, yeah in 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 that technology or at least the um, the adoption rate um, of it is is positive. I think yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, several organizations where I've uh, I've come across with recently and and saw what they had on their innovation backlog solid was often yeah. kind of explicitly mentioned and you also see uh, you kind of uh, hinted at it indeed the uh, Flemish government has uh, recently launched uh, Flams Dat on its bedrijf which which goes a bit in that direction I've also heard banks talk about it somehow I don't know why but banks also feel logical I don't know I I still remember but Sounds sounds long time ago, but um, when you still had the little vaults at the bank, mm-hmm. so they facilitated with the infrastructure. They didn't know what was in your little vault. Right. You just had the key. They didn't have the key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably had a runner that could actually open all the keys, but whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, not not that important. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you could put pictures in there. You could put documents yeah. in there. You could put whatever you wanted in there. Uh, money. Uh, could you actually? It's a good. Could you? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you could. I, 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 <clears throat> Can you put now, illegal things in there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could. Uh, I, I remember I went there with my grandma, and then you, you right. actually. It, you, you but went I mean, into maybe maybe it, it was against the policies of that pod or of that that vault. I don't know if it came with any policy that I, the I, bank said you can store everything except for this. Probably they said that uh, legal stuff was not uh, supposed to be stored there, whether you right. follow that or not. Yeah, if you look at uh, action movies, I don't think they uh-huh. seem to. But uh, no, but that, that's the first thing that comes to mind with these pods is mm-hmm. like this 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 secure space where I trust that if I go put something that nobody else will mm-hmm. access it unless I give them access to yeah. it. Which is why I think also government and banks make sense as yeah. as, as facilitators for 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 that. But they are yeah. entities we kind of naturally trust. By pro- yeah. I think the idea of or the, the 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 concept of trust is is quite important in our societies. I mean, the, we trust by by proxy because a lot of people trust uh, you kind of or because someone you really trust trusts some something like that. That means that you indirectly could trust that thing as well. I think the good thing about Solid in any case is that it's an open uh, an open standard, uh, which means that if you're uh, a person that doesn't trust the government or the bank as much as the other person, which I know there's a lot of, um, and also for very good reasons, you have the ability to to actually host your own uh, your own pot um, or choose whoever uh, or whichever other provider um, that that might have a different legacy of of, of trust or different uh, different controls in place. So that's that's the that's the main value proposition. It's it's choice and it's openness, it's uh, interoperability and that's that's what I think uh, can and, and will make it work. Makes sense. Um, how? Because I mean, okay, it's it's, it's up and coming, but mm-hmm. how mature is it according to you? I think right now we see some uh, some pilot projects that that uh, are quite interesting in in the potential they hold. But the, as with every sort of technology or or uh, paradigm shift, often there's a sort of top down or a public push. Uh, to make it happen because the, the, the status quo is the status quo and, and, and the, the parties that benefit from the status quo or, or nah, never in history really <laughs> kind of incentivized to, to, to break their own, their own privilege or their own position and, and seat their own privileges. So that's why in, in, it makes sense that a, a, a public, uh, public government or, or, uh, the public service uh, is is the first use case or the first yeah. space in which we see 
um, things moving. Uh, so in terms of maturity, I think the technology itself could be mature and is kind of mature. It's more about adoption and um, showing the value to uh, to people of uh, yeah being more self sovereign and and, and uh, having more control over their uh, their data. So yeah, there I think there are some examples specifically maybe in in the in the social media context where where we will see interesting uh, developments uh, shortly. Um, for example, in the media industry, uh, the VRT and mm-hmm. and. Uh, FTBF, but also broader, uh, broader initiatives with, with, uh, competitive or competitors, so to say, in the, in the, in the Flemish, the, uh, the, the Belgian media landscape. Um, they are exploring solid as a technology, um, where, uh, where, for example, concretely, your history of, of the, the things you've watched on, on VRT Nu, uh, could be augmented by your, your listening history on Spotify, or there could be sort of augmentation on, uh, on the VRT new platform where once you add your Spotify data, which is not in a, in a, in a personal data store, but that's another store, which is not solid based, but it's, it's just a way of showing, uh, how it could work. If you go to your start or your homepage, uh, there could be, um, there could be some some movies or some some series that are recommended and there could be even like three top songs that you recently played shown beneath that sort of thumbnail saying ah this is we saw a lot a lot of other people that liked these songs or played these songs were interested in uh in uh i don't know <laughs> uh the journal <laughs> who knows you know um and and that could be one of the examples but um collaboratively with with rtbf for example like they they could they could do the same with with uh, the vrt uh, nu and or max sorry it's called max now uh, and rtbf uh, ovio where your listening history on, on vrt nu or your watch history on vrt nu could kind of be ported uh yeah. in that sense i mean there's, so it's there's personalized on both sides yeah. based on yeah. what you've watched on both yeah. sides and and as they would you solid in this case for the technology it means that even your your history itself would not reside on the servers of the vrt or rtbf uh, anymore but in your pod in your pod oh, yeah, they okay. would be written to your pod um so that's kind of interesting so um, you also have the control to kind of turn it off and turn it on yeah uh, yeah i mean yeah their access i mean mm-hmm. to uh, to it yeah. so i hear you say there's some some pilot cases um so the technology in itself fairly mature uh cases up and coming it's a paradigm shift so it will take time so it's we're at the onset of i think we're at the at the beginning but there i mean things things have a tendency of first going very slow and then suddenly uh booming that's that's as with every technology indeed and i think we're i don't know where we exactly would be on that sort of hype curve of Gartner, but definitely not in the very very early stages anymore no there's been quite some pre-development and now i think 2023 actually will be a big year um for everything that's data spaces europe is is doing a lot on the data spaces as well the sectoral data spaces and um i mean in the end everything is linked somehow but yeah, yeah data I'm, as yeah. a catalyst for innovation yeah. and everything that's yeah. societally around yeah. around those concepts. i mean a good a good way of 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 uh probing or, or or seeing what is what is hot is also just looking at uh at vacancies or or uh, job boards on linkedin and then you see like data partnership manager or data ecosystem manager or uh yeah a lot of those types of data governance and stuff quite a few of those the, the, yeah it begins so it it's kind of an indicator that uh 
um, that companies are starting to look into into those uh, topics. And what do you see as as the most likely use cases, or, or maybe the first use cases that we will that we will see? Um, but I said before, in, in in the financial industry, I think because of the regulatory push and and bodies like the FATF, which is the the Financial Action Task Force, like an inter international or or, or global organization uh, for yeah to, to fight uh, money laundering and 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 just uh, financial uh, financial crime. Yeah, um, you see these existing sort of uh, collaborations already happening. For example, in the in the Netherlands, there's um, there's a consortium of the bigger banks, uh, Rabobank and ING and, and the likes, um, that have come together under the, but it's, it's called the T, TMNL. So the Transaction Monitoring Nederland, I think. So TM, something like that. And it's basically, uh, specifically to, to kind of share, uh, data in a privacy enhancing way, uh, amongst, amongst one another for, for fraud detection, AML and, and other use cases. Uh, so there's, there's, there's definitely things moving, uh, on, on that front. Insurance as well. There's, there's the, for example, double dipping is one of those, uh, fraud schemes in, in insurance. And, uh, it's, I, I don't know it from personal experience, but I've been researching it. So that's why. So the concept there is what is that you, you try to submit a claim with two different insurance companies for the same. Clearly, uh, case. For example, for the same case or a similar case, you could also use your, uh, your, uh, travel insurance for a phone that broke on a trip. For example, uh, those sort of use cases. But yeah, um, mostly it's, it's, um, trying to claim for the same object or the same, uh, casualty, uh, twice or, or twice three times with different, with, with different, because yeah. benefiting from the fact that they don't share information between yeah, each other. Exactly. On, yeah. Uh, so if you could do like, um, sort of uh, feather and maybe we skipped a, a bit of a, an explanation as well on, on, uh, the privacy enhancing part or, or, or the, the platforms, uh, that, that enable this or the, the differentiation between data and, and code and algorithms. We could come back to that right now. Either it doesn't happen, the data sharing or the data exchange between those banks or insurers, or it happens on a centralized basis. There's, uh, there are centralized initiatives or, or companies that, that kind of uh, have platforms where, uh, insurers would share claim data. Um, but that creates a sort of honeypot, um, and, and creates its own form of risks. Um, so with the advancement of, of these pets, these privacy enhancing technologies, uh, the data could stay with the insurer, uh, under the control of, of the insurer or the bank. Uh, and there could be an access right given to other banks, uh, within the same consortium based on certain conditions and, and with a, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, a formal framework um, to uh, to just cross-check or verify. For example, if I have a Toyota Prius, a red one from that year, and I had an accident on that date and that hour, um, there's not going to be that many other ones uh, that, that are similar. So there, there could be a cross-check um, yeah. just specifically for that case. Um, and what would happen is uh, Bank A or Insurer A would cross-check on the databases of insurer B, C, D, E, um, and so on. Um, and instead of having access to all the data of all those insurers, there would have been a an agreement uh, that they can do a, or they can apply or run a specific code on 
that database and they would only get back the result yes or no and that's different from what currently would be happening which would be getting an entire copy of the database and then looking for ideally uh deleting it afterwards and looking for for what you need uh so that's that is the big paradigm shift and that's that's the uh, that's because of these inv- advancements in in privacy enhancing technologies such yeah. as differential privacy and 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 the likes homomorphic encryption and so on yeah so then on that front you have well you have that the information from the different banks would be in their pots if we should imagine it Ideally, somehow yeah, in their yeah, data yeah, store yeah, yeah, yeah. and that that data store uh is is triggers or if if as a as a as one insurer you want to cross check you send it to a platform where an algorithm sits that does the checking and that actually runs it against the information from all the different banks the and you only get the result back so yeah. it would in happen sense, in a sort of securing clay federated or, way mm-hmm. uh, it, it just checks it with the different yeah. uh the data in the different data stores mm-hmm whether that record already exists uh, For example, or, or yeah. exists somewhere else and then just gives you back yes it already exists yes or, or no uh, in yeah. this specific case that could be it yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's more of course there's more uh, exotic use cases of really training models based on on federated data and yeah. and federated learning and and whatnot but i think um yeah the, most of the use cases initially will will be on on smaller data uh, in, or at least will be less complex than, than than training models but that's uh um that's definitely uh one of the uh the use cases that that will bring tremendous value and and where um a lot of the societal benefit i guess of of, of collaborative data s- ecosystems will manifest as well because the, it could yeah could really be a catalyst for information once once uh huge like data silos can be uh yeah can be, be broken, tapped into uh, yeah. uh, for for uh, learning uh, or or making more uh, advanced models. Uh, yeah, I think we'll see some breaking the silos and and indeed go, yeah. being able to go uh, and 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 yeah, cross information, cross yeah. silos to generate well, uh, let's say uh, insights for the greater good. Yeah, I mean, I, it, somehow also I I, uh, I was amazed by the the chat GPT uh, the chat. GPT advancements, like it's uh, it's kind of uh, uncanny <laughs> what 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 kind of uh, services or or uh, technologies we can already create based on just huge amounts of data, uh, and not just. Maybe it's important to say as well that one of the the reasons um, we see so much focus on on data and data quality and uh, ecosystems that kind of facilitate. Uh, um higher quality data generation i mean you've done a podcast on data meshes and data yeah. products as well uh the entire idea of of of, of having data pipelines which uh um in which each party kind of uh, uh contributes in terms of uh, elevating the quality of the data uh it's important for ai advancement as well because uh there's the uh, the notion of data centric ai mm-hmm. um uh, put forth by by Andrew uh, Ng. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to, to pronounce yeah, it, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but that's not an. It's it's like quite a known person in that field, and he he says, okay, we've been focusing on on making algorithms better um, in the past, but now we see that it's actually more about uh, the data, and not only in a quantitative way, but also the quality of the data mm-hmm. that 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 uh, we really need to look at, and that quality can only be. 
uh, advanced through um, sophisticated pipelines and in yeah collaborative data ecosystems where a lot of thought is put into the governance of of, of these uh, yeah. these pipelines. Yeah. It's actually also a bit linked to the previous podcast we did on AI ethics because it's also about mm-hmm. how do you yeah also remove biases yeah. from from that data yeah. and it also influences obviously the outcomes you get from yeah. those models. Yeah. Not even important indeed. It's not just a technological question, but as yeah. Uh, a lot of it is, is to do with business, like kind of making it work uh, economically. Because uh, if you talk about these exchanges and value exchanges, like there's uh, there's quite some complexity in that as well. And, and, and my experience uh, so far has been uh, that the technology itself is not really the the, the bottleneck. It's more about uh, trying to uh, to nail down the economic exchange and 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 overcome some yeah some uh, some game theoretical constraints or, or complexities uh, and then you have the societal aspect indeed like what 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 do we want to do in the end like there's the risk of kind of commodifying everything if you if you talk about uh, putting a value to data and and uh, kind of exchanging data I mean there's there's numerous uh concerns there or or at least debates or or conversations to be had um so yeah that's for sure mm-hmm. um which brings us a bit also to to horizon now what what do you see next um I'll, I'll be a bit skeptical as well i think in, it, it's a it's a paradigm shift and, and that i fully agree but if you look at organizations today they sometimes still struggle to uh, facilitate that ecosystem intramuros. Uh, here we're talking about, you know, making that yeah. uh, cross boundaries, which is a next level of complexity. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm very curious to see uh, how much, I think it makes sense. I'm just curious to see how much time it will take to see this development really come to fruition uh, and, and, and develop into something uh well just beyond the pilot beyond a few uh, local initiatives but to something that's that's more yeah global uh good question um yeah and it, it's true that i i believe like uh who the exact quote is from I, I forgot but like the future is here it's just not not evenly distributed so i think we're already in it and we yeah we are as technologists or as, as people doing this on a daily basis we're kind of biased and and sometimes it's good to take a step back and realize oh wow <laughs> we're actually not as like in in real day-to-day life these things are not as as, as prominent uh, or as adopted yet as we would uh, like or hope or tend to believe leave because we're we're in it um we actually get that a lot with our with our uh new hires especially the ones that come from university they think you know data quality is going to be perfect and it's going to be a a, a beautiful world of, of rainbows and butterflies and, and you can make beautiful algorithms and then you come to the realization that data is not all that clean and not all that interoperable and it's a mess but what is on the horizon? I think further adoption of of these technologies. Um, hopefully, it could it could go both ways. You know, it could centralize more and 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 take away uh, more power from from uh, us as individuals and and actually become quite dystopic. Uh, or we could uh, we could see a turnaround and and uh, really broad understanding. Um, with with citizens and and then just people that that uh, realize that uh, privacy is not just uh, a nice to have; it's a must have, and that um, 
yeah, that, that technology is like solid and, and, um, having your personal data store will indeed be the equivalent of having, uh, yeah, a, a vault in the past or, or, uh, a property, you know, like having a house. It's, it's, uh, it's that simple in, in the data economy. It's, it's, uh, it's all about agency. I, I think we'll see, uh, we'll see a lot, a lot of, uh, exciting services and, 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 um, that, that could be, uh, yeah a flourishing ecosystem if if we do it the right way that 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 benefit uh that benefit all of us but it will require i think broader understanding in the minds of people uh about just how important this is um to yeah to ideally even yeah be more self-sovereign or, or even run your own node or, or at least be more mindful about which provider you choose etc that that will be the equivalent indeed of choosing a bank uh in in the past um and we haven't even touched on, on or uh, touched the topic of, of tokenization and web3 etc but that's one maybe for next next the next podcast i think a yeah a whole session to it. yeah once you start thinking about currencies uh this is where it gets interesting as well because data and money or becoming kind of the same so that's that's where i actually see uh see it evolve next that we we start to understand more that in order to have digital rights or digital agency or, or um, human dignity that we'll have to uh, look at uh, money in a different way that's just i'm putting it out there yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> as yeah, a we teaser used say, we, we used to say you know with, with the privacy thing that uh, if uh, if you were getting something for free, that meant you were the product. Yeah. I think now thinking about data as, as, as a currency that you can use to exchange with organizations and, and then get a, a service in return and being conscious of it, mm-hmm. then you're no longer the product. You're actually yeah. the buyer. And then I think that's, yeah. that's actually a very nice mm-hmm. perspective to, to look out for. Um, so on that note, uh, it's a very positive note to, uh, to end this. For sure. <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank you very much, uh, Ruben, for, uh, for, for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, and I hope uh, it's been very interesting for our listeners. Yeah, uh, I hope so too. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. All right.